The one thing that is undeniably universal is that death is inevitable. The death of a loved one is unsettling, regardless of the situation, and as such, those at the end of the process serve an invaluable role. Our friend Randy with Stokes, Proc, and Munt and the Cremation Society is here to tell us how funeral directors are here to provide much-needed assistance. Our main job is to educate, to comfort, to give them order, and to help them consider celebrating the life of the person that they lost, which is very therapeutic for them in the long run. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. Is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. Ah, here we go, the last show in August, and really only uh, this show and the show that we'll have on Thursday. That'll be it in terms of ah, what you'd call the summer shows. Because ah, I get it, uh, summer doesn't officially end until the end of September and all of that sort of thing. But you and I both know summer comes to an end this weekend, or at least how you live summer comes to an end uh, this week. School's back in session. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, you get football season in, in high gear. Overall, your schedule changes a little bit more, little, little, a little less flexibility, and not necessarily in a in a bad way. But people start getting their their civic clubs start meeting more often, all that sort of thing. Uh, for that, hey, don't forget if you're not doing so already, subscribe and follow Oakware Hometown Media on all of your favorite podcast sources iHeart, Spotify, all of those, and get uh, not just this podcast, but all of the great podcasts that we have here with Eau Claire Hometown Media, and that, of course, includes Talk of the Town. Well, we've got today and we've got Thursday, a live edition today, should have a live edition uh, as well uh, coming up. On uh, should have a live edition coming up on Thursday as well. I do know next week uh, we will be uh, recorded for I think Tuesday. Tuesday will probably be a, a recording, but you'll get the live edition uh, today and Thursday. We'll want to jump into this. Mentioned uh, school gets going uh, for some districts around the area. It has started already for other districts it gets going later on this week and of course our kids go to the Eau Claire public school system they get going end of this week our daughter has her first full day in elementary school third grade coming up on Friday but our son has elevated into middle school he's made that jump from Mann's Elementary to South Middle School. And uh, that's, of course, in, involved uh, a bunch of meetings at the school with, with everybody. We had a orientation back in the, in the spring. And there's been sports meetings and there's been uh, music classes that they, they all have to take starting in, the, in June. And then on Monday night, 
they had the official sort of, well, I mentioned in the spring there was the, the orientation. Probably what they did on Monday was more of the orientation. Monday night, they had the big get-together, parents and the kids and the, 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 the first true introduction for the kids to, to roam around, check out their classrooms, to uh, see some of the teachers, to get acclimated to the building. And we're reminded at this middle school introduction, not directly, but you could, you could really get the sense, you're reminded that this is the first true normal start to hopefully finish school year that we have had since 2019 to 2020, 2018 to 2019. Because 2019 and the 2020, we know what happened. And even last year, while it felt normal, there was still, I believe, Eau Claire had a pause, right? I might be miss, missing, that, missing that, but I, I think Eau Claire did have a pause, right? If they didn't, either way, you had interruptions. You had the constant specter, particularly from, say, October through February of rising cases and, and, and should they or shouldn't they stay opened and all of that sort of thing. That's in the past. That is in the past. And you, you saw by the end of last school year, field trips are back. People could be in the school district. It could be in the buildings again. You could start bringing guests in again. You, you start to have PTA gatherings and other things like that. You start to have events once again in the schools. So we were reminded of that on Monday night at this middle school orientation, just little things that were mentioned in the course of doing, uh, of, of the talks. Nobody said it outright, but you're reminded for one lockers are back. I, I don't think they were allowed to use lockers last year in many of the school buildings. And that includes in the Eau Claire school district. I don't think they were allowed to use, uh, lockers, Last year, well, obviously with the with these sixth graders, for many of them, the first time they've ever used lockers, so there's that added stress for them. And all you can do is smile as an adult. You know, for you and I, we think of that as oh, it's kind of a cute rite of passage, passage, and the, you'll learn how to open up your locker, and it'll be fine. But then we, we quickly forget what it was like for us 20, 30, 40 years ago when we were first <laughs> trying to open up lockers and that fear, am I going to have enough time to get from room to room and, and uh, just overall the change that comes with middle school. You quickly realize you can get from one side of the building to the other side of the building in less than three minutes. It's not as long as you think it is. You just have to be focused in doing it. And as far as opening up the locker after the first week or so, it comes second nature. Turn to the left and the right and all of that. And oh, it's like second nature after that. But we all forget that we too were stressed when we were 10, 11, 12, 13, and, and going into the new environment of the middle school. Now, I'm not overly emotional about our son moving on to middle school. I think my wife was a little, but I don't even think she's all that emotionally 
dented, bruised by it for a couple of reasons. One, our son's very excited about it. I don't know why he's so excited about it because he really liked middle. He really liked his elementary school, but I think he, he enjoys the change. He enjoys the opportunity, something that we as adults should embrace more the opportunity for something new. That and the fact that the middle school is only a block from where the Montesano mansion is located. And I think that makes a little bit of a change. I, I don't know why, but the simple fact that if I, if I go out my front door and go up you know, about 100 yards to the right, I can, I can see the building you know, for whatever reason. I think that makes it not you know not hurt as bad if that's a word emotionally that he's getting older because oddly enough he's physically closer either way middle school uh, in session and I'm sure the the uh, what our son's going through is being going through with dozens upon dozens of kids in the area and families in the area as new schools start up and all of that very exciting times uh, for uh, kids going into schools. And for parents, and as we mentioned, the changing of the schedules as we all go forward here in a new school year. Now, mentioning the school districts, we've talked about this in the past, not only with this program, but you've heard it in just the overall talk of the town, people talking and what have you. And that is the fact that we have a teacher shortage in this country. It's been taught at nauseum, the teacher shortage. And it was already starting to formulate before the pandemic and the pandemic, as it has done for a number of things, expediated the issue. There's fewer and fewer young adults that want to get into the profession and what have you. Now, the issue with staffing is it necessarily across the board? Not every district has the same issue, and that includes right here in the Chippewa Valley. There are some districts that are doing better than others, and there's any number of reasons for that. But, for instance, the Eau Claire Area School District is doing okay. I know the Altoona School District is doing okay. I believe a lot of the districts in this particular area are doing okay. And that has a lot to do with uh, just the quality of living in the area. And this is a spot that people want to live. And probably the working environment is good as well. But in the Oak Area School District in particular, uh, not as much of a hiring crunch does not mean they don't have open spots. They have open spots in particular in special education. And special education remains a struggle for hiring. And it always has been a struggle to hire special education. That even is before the pandemic and something that, again, has been expediated, highlighted, raised up in a bump. More noteworthy, the fact that uh, special education remains a struggle uh, for school districts trying to uh, hire for that position. But otherwise, the school district is doing okay Hiring-wise, which is a good sign. Something, though, that you have to go deeper into that. It's not just numbers. The downside is, is that you are losing more experienced teachers. 
you are being able to backfill with younger teachers who, by the way, could ultimately be better than the experienced teacher in some cases. It could very well happen. But you cannot replace experience. And even if that younger teacher is going to be, let's say, let's just call it the average. You know, you've got an average veteran teacher that learned things over the years and leaves on good terms. And then you bring up somebody new that may have a lot of chops. But it's going to take them time to break it in. And you're losing that veteranship. And then you got new people learning on the fly. So that's, that, that's one thing. It's not just the numbers. It's not even quality. It's the things you can't make tangible. And that is the experience. Because you cannot have any duplication for experience. Getting off of schools for a moment, though there is a school tie to this, uh, saw that the S-Bridge in downtown Eau Claire has been added to the National Registry of Historic Places. And uh, chalk, chalk this up to me. I, I didn't really know the history of the S-Bridge. We'll get to it getting on this historic registry in a moment. I kind of think that there's a, a rather loose term of history uh, in a moment here. But I always kind of thought of that S-Bridge which goes over the Eau Claire River, and you can take it from uh, one side to heading towards Banbury Place. And I always kind of envisioned in my head that that was a walking path that was built, a, a pedestrian bridge that was built for the workers at uh, Uniroyal and Gillette. I thought that was simply built as a pedestrian bridge. Way, way back in the day, because obviously a lot of people would walk to work in a heavily residential area and they could walk across the river and be at their place of business. That's what I envisioned it having been built as every time I've gone on this S Bridge, which is a beautiful walk right over the Eau Claire River. And if you're not much of an outdoorsman, like I'm not much of an outdoorsman, that's a great way to get a taste of the outdoors is to walk over the S Bridge, to walk down along the river on both sides of downtown and to even on the high bridge, get on that. So it's a beautiful walk. But I didn't know, I didn't know the history of the, of the darn thing. I didn't know the history of the darn thing. And I guarantee you, a lot of you didn't know the history of the S Bridge either. Initially, it was built as a railroad bridge, was first a wood bridge, in the late 1800s, and then about 20 years after it was first built, it uh, was rebuilt as a steel bridge. And then how it got on the National Registry of Historic Places, it, the application started as a UW-Eau Claire students project. A group of students were doing a project, and one thing led to another. Next thing you know, they're doing history on the thing, and they're getting they're they're filling out all the paperwork to to get it on the National Registry of Historic Places. Is this, is it historic? I don't know. I read the article. I uh, but it's on the National Registry of Historic Places. Remember, history, and I'm a very big history buff. I love history, but a lot of times the term history and historic is just a cover for the fact something is old. But I digress. Uh. It's not inconsequential. It's not just something you, you put a plaque up. 
to say something is on the National Registry of Historic Places. It, it, you, don't, you don't just get that so it's a designation. You also get that, though, because then the item, in this case the S-Bridge, qualifies or becomes a candidate for federal preservation funds, various grants. It becomes eligible for a grant pool that is out there to preserve buildings and structures that are on the National Registry of Historic Places. So it's not just, hey, cool, it it makes for a good article, makes for a good story. There is a money component to it that could benefit the area that if work has to be done on the S-Bridge, you can get money through this grant of, obviously, you've got to follow various rules. You can't make a lot of changes then to the S-Bridge because once it's a National Registry of Historic Place, if you change too much of it, it loses that designation, all of that. And now there's taught they want to do the same thing with the high bridge. And that's also played into how they've done the, res- how they've done the recent renovation and, and then the additional work that's been done here in this year because you got to do certain things the right way because if you, do, if you change too much, then it loses its qualification, all that. Uh, it does make me think, we, we've talked about all this work at the Carson Parks Baseball Stadium that we'd hope to have happen, it hasn't been happening, and all of that. makes me think, how much have we utilized National Registry of Historic Places, federal preservation funds and grants to, to get work done up there? And is that also something that's holding us back to doing work on that baseball stadium? Because there's times we talk about preservation funds and what have you, but if something no longer serves a true purpose, let's go back to this S-bridge, for instance. Let's say down the way, for whatever reason, the bridge just does not serve a purpose anymore. Or, you know, as it's built, it's not usable anymore. And you can keep getting money to do a little bit of work here and there on the thing, but it's got to stay true to its current form. But the city would be better off just demolishing it and building something else. There comes a time where you got to think of that. There does come a time where preserving is not worth it. Now, I'm not somebody to throw away history right away or anything like that, but it's something to always be mindful of as well. We do not want to come across the same issue that we came that we had as a society in the 70s. A lot of big structures in cities, a lot of what could be historic structures in cities were discarded like yesterday's toilet paper in the 1970s, various urban renewals, and, and that's how you got a lot more of this preservation that got going. But you also don't want to be handcuffed by it as well. I'm talking about uh, handcuffs. Uh, young man's in handcuffs or was in handcuffs and is now uh, (laughs) could serve up to nine years in prison. Uh, There was a story that broke Friday morning and then he kind of forgot about it over the weekend uh, that there was a police presence at the Metropolis Resort. Now, my wife and I were actually there on Thursday night, had a little date night, didn't see anything. And this took place long after we had left. Action City and the Metropolis Resort. 
took place long after that. It took place about 10 o'clock. But you woke up in the morning and the TV stations had a story about it. Uh, and, and you start thinking over the weekend as you forget about it, you think, well, not that it's you want to poo-poo this, but it's probably something along the lines of drugs or somebody somebody that was in a room and maybe there was a, a domestic incident or anything like that. And clearly everything got taken care of. Well, we've come to find out in the day since what actually did happen, and it could have been much worse. Uh, there was a high-speed chase. That started right around the Minnesota-Wisconsin border. And a young man from Milwaukee who uh, had drug paraphernalia on him and various things took took part in a high-speed chase. Speeds of up to 120 miles an hour, weaving around traffic and all of that. And finally, as he got to Eau Claire, the road began to run out apparently on him. He lost control right around where Axon City is, and went off the road and over the fence and landed on the go-kart track at Action City and Metropolis Resort. Uh, now, thankfully, this happened long after the place was closed. Nobody was on the go-kart track. Nobody was on the mini golf course, anything like that. But imagine if this had taken place earlier in the evening or it had taken place during the day. You know, get you get get you a little bit of the willies there. That could have been very serious. What had happened? Uh, the young man, by the way, faces up to nine years in prison if convicted. And you hope somebody like that they throw the book at. Uh, high speed chases are never a good thing. There, uh, this was one that went across multiple county lines. Uh, went on for over an hour. Uh, he had no intention of giving himself up. <laughs> And then lastly, wanted to talk about this story, and this very well could have led off the show. Uh, and it's a it, and it's a story that you want to have an opinion on. But at the end of the day, I think the true opinion of this should be: let it play out in a good way. Like you want to see this play out. It's why we have a judicial system. It's exactly why. We have a judicial system. We talk about frivolous lawsuits all the time. Well, it doesn't mean that everyone is frivolous. Sometimes you need to see it play out. You got the story over in Stanley. And there's a Stanley age discrimination case. Ed Schultz has filed an age discrimination lawsuit against the city of Stanley. Ed Schultz, age 59 applied for a job last summer at the city's water treatment plant. All right, applied for a job. He's 59, applied for a job at the city's water treatment plant. He claims he has experience at a local cheese factory that uh, adds up to it, whatever. He, he's got experiences, like anybody applying for a job, he's got experiences that play into the job. Well, Ed Schultz did not hear back, and another man who is 40 years of age, so not tremendously young either, another man, age 40, was hired for the job uh, running the city's water treatment plant. All right. Well, Schultz was disappointed, as anybody who's ever applied for a job is disappointed. He was disappointed, and he went to a city council meeting a couple of months later in November. There, there was something in the, 
the weekly newspaper up in Stanley, the Stanley Republican, in which the article referenced the fact they didn't get a lot of qualified candidates. So Schultz immediately saw that article and went, well, I was qualified. In his eyes, he was qualified. And he goes, I'm going to go to the city council meetings. I want to ask them point blank, why did they not think I was qualified? So Schultz goes to the city council meeting to ask why he hadn't even received an interview contending he had the necessary skills. Now, at this point, you're thinking, all right, sour grapes. He didn't get the job. Move on, all right? You're not going to get everything you want. But sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And jumping ahead, by the way, people out there in the city of Stanley, no matter how this lawsuit goes forward, you got to think twice about some of your elected officials out there because their bedside manner in many ways uh, has led to this lawsuit. I'll explain. During his visit, Ed Schultz's visit, city officials, including the mayor, Alan Haas, are on record, audio recorded record, as noting they were in fact looking for someone younger than Ed Schultz that could grow into the job. They were looking for somebody younger. Basically said, hey, you got skills, but you're too old. Now, it's all about context. There are such things as quote-unquote entry-level jobs or jobs you desire to have hires be there for a long time. So a 40-year-old would be more desirable than someone pushing the age of 60. It just exists. But at least with what comes through in this recording... It seems Schultz may have a case because he did not even get an he did not even get an interview, and it's going to be very messy and all of that. And that's why I say, don't sit here and go, "Oh, yeah, he's one hundred percent on the right, and the city's one hundred percent on the wrong, or anything like that, or he's in the wrong and the city's in the right." Because what I'm going to say is, the city wants the lawsuit thrown out. I'm saying. I th- and I'm not saying he's definitely in the right, but this really does need to have a court case play out. And remember, age discrimination is very much legalese as well. There are specific parameters of it and those sort of things. And, and do you reach the legal definition? But the key thing here is out of all of this, city officials in Stanley did not help their cause with what they said publicly. With what they said publicly. It's almost as if they didn't think they were being recorded. So this court case should go through. Whether whether it's guilty or not, we'll see. But sometime, I mean, how do I put this properly? Anybody that's ever done hiring, and everybody's done hiring or been hired, and we all know the game there. All right. If you've got two candidates that are equal for a job, you may go with the person that's a little younger because they're going to be cheaper. Or you may go with the person a little older because you want the person that's a little older. Age plays a factor no matter what we say in a lot of hiring. 
it, it just play, it plays out there. But there's a, a line that you can cross where it's discrimination, where it's flat. You don't give somebody a look. You don't even think of them or anything like that because of their age. Yeah, city officials open their mouth too much up in Stanley. I think that court case should go through. You almost want more information on it. I don't blame Ed Schultz, though, for going forward with that lawsuit. There's times where there's a frivolous lawsuit. This isn't really frivolous. I'm not sure he's going to win. I'm not even sure he's, he's even right. But I think this is one where you... Yeah, yeah, you want to put the ball in play, if that makes sense. You want to put the ball in play. So many times in our lives, by the way, we so badly, so we 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 so badly want to have a uh, an opinion right away that sometimes you got to let things play out. Uh, speaking of playing out. We're back with you on Thursday with another edition of Talk of the Town. That'll do it for today's edition, though. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until Thursday, so long, everybody.